Welcome to the Rambling Ranger podcast, episode seven. My name is Luke Taylor, and I'm joined here today by Simon Bowers. Hi, how you doing? I'm not bad. How's yourself, Simon? Yeah, not too bad. Busy. Busy, yes. We've just uh, discussed your very long day, so um, I'm uh, cautious of obviously keeping you any longer from it. But no, um, thank you very much for agreeing to come on the podcast. We've got a, a very interesting lineup of discussion. Um, Mainly because, I mean, you, you've worked for a, a trust now for quite a while and you find yourself in a very unique position where you're one ranger. You don't have a ranger service, you're working on your own and we'll kind of get into that as we go. But um, how about you just uh, start off by, I suppose, introducing yourself. Um, so, yes, yeah, so my name's Simon Bowers. I am the countryside ranger from your Ravenside Country Park over in Falkirk. Uh, I've been there for coming on for six years now. Um, and as you said, um, I work for Falkirk Community Trust. So it is run by a local uh, trust that looks after uh, parks, uh, health and well-being, libraries, um, heritage, that kind of stuff uh, within the Falkirk area. Yeah, so you, well, six years, that's a long time now. You find yeah. yourself, let's go, I suppose, back in time first. How did you first start off as a ranger? Um, our previous guests, Tracy and Hannah, we obviously have a history, both of us, as uh, you were once upon a time a seasonal ranger at uh, Beecraig's Country Park in West Lothian. But um, how, how did that sort of journey begin uh, and start off for you and then find yourself, I suppose, in this very unique position nowadays? Um, so uh, I used to work um, in events and I was traveling a lot. Um, so I was traveling from Scotland down to um, Hampshire, which is essentially the other end of the country to go to work. Um, which is a bit of a commute and not particularly sustainable in the long term. Um, so um, my wife uh, found me um, or found a course um, at Oakridge College, now SRUC, um, in countryside management. Um, always been the kind of outside kind of person um, and always loved being outdoors. Had a quick look at the prospectus about kind of what it involved and, uh, and how it would progress and actually just looked at it and thought, yep, yeah, that is, you know, that's for me. Um, got into the course and very quickly realised that actually all I wanted to be was a countryside ranger. I know they, <laughs> they, they do whole whole days where they tell you all the different things you can be, um, you know, once you finish college, all the different different avenues you can go down. I started college very quickly realising that all I wanted to be was a countryside ranger and that was it. Uh, and that was my absolute sole focus for the entire time <laughs> I was at college. I um, feel like I find myself in that position as well. <laughs> yeah. It is bizarre once you get into it and you realise kind of what it entails and what, what the job is and and, um, and then you actually realise more and more that it would suit you, the more and more you want it. Um, and actually, I think probably in the long run, that probably helped me because I was so focused on that one outcome that everything else was kind of just background noise, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So what kind of happened then after you finished your course? I mean, it's an interesting perspective having from yourself having gone through countryside management, and I think for anyone listening that is students, um, it's, it's, we talk about it a lot within the profession, it's how difficult it is for people to get jobs, especially younger people after they've done courses like countryside management uh, to get a ranger job at the end of it. So what, what did you end up doing after that? Um, so I was actually very lucky. So um, when I was finishing my HND, um, I applied to Loch Lomond Atrocics National Park there was a four day a week post. So it was Friday, Friday to Monday. Um, and then I had the three days off uh, in between. And basically I applied for the job, went over to Loch Lomond, interviewed for it, didn't think I'd got it. 
um, thought, great, I'll finish college and then and then we'll we'll move on and see what happens. Got a phone call about a week later saying, yeah, great, you've we, we you know we'd love to offer you this this job. And then I had to go back into college and speak to the lecturers and say, actually, for the next six weeks, I'm going to be at college, but I'm also going to need to be at work. Um, <clears throat> and to be fair, they were all really supportive, like really, really yeah. supportive. I can't have asked for more support from them um, during that period. So basically, for the last six weeks of college, I was at college um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I was in work um, over right. at Lockheed Tussocks National Park. So I did six weeks of working flat out and then going home in the evening and finishing all my college work whilst <laughs> having just done a full day in the park which was which was busy but it was so nice when it when it finished yeah um and i you know finished the course and then actually realized that yep yeah, now i'm that's that foot in the door and i think a lot of students think they'll finish college and then start applying for stuff yeah. And actually kind of almost that boat sailed. By the time you finish college, you're into the summer. And actually mm. all the seasonal posts are kind of beginning of the spring. Um, so, yeah, any kind of students that would be looking to get into it, your, your best bet is to start early. Um, and actually speak to your lecturers. You know, the lecturers were great um, with letting me do stuff in my own time. And, and, and uh, yeah, just being supportive, essentially. And yeah, I completely agree. I mean, um, through having, I've not done a full kind of year at college, but um, having worked with a lot of students through volunteering and um, just becoming friends with those students whilst I was there, um, a lot of them actually did exactly what you said, have been taking on those jobs. I think there is that kind of hesitation for a lot of people where, as you said, they just, they come out of the end and hopefully they'll get a job. But um, it's, you'll be surprised how many opportunities you can get out of uh, college whilst obviously still studying there which is what happened with yourself yeah no it's it's great um and you obviously how did you end up with Westlodding council ranger service for a and season so then? yeah so um so basically i finished at loch lomond and i did what i've always done is um whenever i haven't had work i've gone out and found it so i ended up working i ended up working uh, as a laborer on a building site um right. building company so i went and helped build and renovate houses for six months um, and then at the end of that six months, it was a case of the, the jobs came up with uh, West Lothian Council. So I went and interviewed uh, for the seasonal post at uh, Big Craze Country Park and basically laid my entire application down on the fact that I could <laughs> build them whatever they wanted. Um, because having worked uh, or having um, been up and, and uh, volunteered alongside the Ranger Service while I was at college, you know, there was there was obvious things that had been spoken about that I was able to take in um, into that interview. And actually, I suppose that's a, a good tip for kind of anyone who's wanting to get into it is, you know, go and go and learn from your local ranger service, go and work with them, volunteer with them and find out exactly what's needing done. And then hopefully if there's a, a position comes up, it's that kind of thing of, you know, I can do this for you um, yeah. I can do that for you. So um, so anyway, interview for that. And again, lucky enough to get that. And yeah, had a fantastic summer at B Craigs. Um, and then, uh, yeah, again, it came to an end and I managed to find another job to get me through the winter. And then the following summer, I did exactly the same again. I came back to B Craigs and um, yeah, worked for West London Council, which was a fantastic, a fantastic two summers working across the three country parks. Yeah, we both shared this, I suppose, a very similar experience with obviously both having worked with uh, the council and the amazing team that still is, which would have been the same team, obviously, that you uh, you worked with back in the day. Um, and relationship now has obviously helped quite a lot 
um, and having worked at Whistlewing Council, that inevitably helped you get the, the job that you're in just now. Um, how did the trust job come about then? The trust job, so I was actually working, I was actually working for, um, I was still working for West Lothian Council, but in a different department. I was actually working for the criminal justice department doing uh, community payback. So I used to take, I used to take the, the clients out on their um, community payback orders. And that's what I was doing at the time. And I was still up at B Craig. So I was still doing the mountain bike trail at B Craig. So I was just doing it with a, a different set of uh, people, which was absolutely great for me because it was, you know, I was still doing what I had been doing, I was just doing it with different people. So, um, so yeah, I did that. And then actually one of the guys I was working with and um, who lived in Falkirk sent me an email and he said, this job would be perfect for you. Um, and it was as lucky as that. Otherwise I probably wouldn't have seen it. Um, and yeah, applied for the job, went to the park, had a look around the park, realized that actually, yeah, there's loads of stuff that I could, I could do. Um, and there was loads of stuff that I was really confused about. Um, like the, the visitor center wasn't open and you know there was a pile of type one in the car park that hadn't been that obviously had been there for a long long time right um and it like had grass growing out of it, <laughs> and it was just that thing of right okay and then during the interview it became clear that the, my predecessor unfortunately had um before his retirement had uh, had gone off on sick leave uh, for one right. reason or another and so basically yeah there'd been no one at the park for quite quite some time um other than a seasonal one of the seasonals had um, they'd kept on to just try and do it but um yeah doing stuff on your own is uh, quite a challenge so um but yeah so i went into the interview basically not thinking i was going to get the job uh, that kind of thing of i'm just going to go in and see what happens and actually i think that benefited me in the long run because i was just i was very relaxed uh, and able to, to give you know give decent concise answers which is always essential in interviews of course, I'm a, a, as listeners know, I'm probably, a, well, I'm still working on that, let's say. But um, no, it's, it's, a, it's a great mindset to have. And I mean, um, I mean I've mean, i got your, the Badger set hide up at Beakers Country Park was obviously built by yourselves and the criminal justice folks. So there's still many traces and things of you still in the park that, well, stand up to today. But um, it's having that then mindset, obviously, you're still very much faced with the same challenge that ended up with the uh, New Havenside Country Park in the first place, where due to the, then the slow deterioration, you inevitably had to completely, I suppose, revitalize the, the Country Park. Um, I, well, that's a, it's a question in itself. How, how, what does your job now entail? And how did you end up doing that then after having this initial job opportunity and challenge come to you? Um, I mean, the opportunity was great. Uh, there was the, it was that thing of, right, it's, it's something that's big enough to just go in and get your teeth into immediately and just say, right, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. Um, I'm, I've always been lucky that the, the jobs I've had previously, um, there was always a lot of thinking on your feet and maybe thinking slightly differently about how you could proceed a job, um, how you could get things done. And that has stood me in very good stead because nine times out of 10, I'll look at a job and then go, right, how can I do it cheaper? Or how can I do it quicker? Or how can I do it more sustainably? rather than just going, right, we'll throw money at it. Because nine times out of 10, you haven't got the money to throw at it. Um, or you've got to go and get funding for it. Um, and that's, that's essentially what happened. When I first started at B. Craig's, we did, I think I spent the first six to nine months writing a funding application to the Heritage Lottery Fund. Um, and luckily, we were, we were successful in getting that money, along with um, a couple of other pots at the same time. Um, and that, has, that then allowed us to do a huge amount of work on site 
um, with regards to, you know, we've put in a community growing area, we've put in a poetry and sculpture trail, we've put in two um, kind of active trails, one for young kids and one for slightly older kids. Mm. Um, we've done a huge amount of um, sustainability work and we've also done um, a lot of habitat work as well. So it, it's that, that funding and, uh, and the trust enables you to do that a lot easier than a council because we're charity, we're a charity base. So it allows you to go out and, and find different pots of money. And that has been hugely beneficial in the long run to uh, the country park. Yeah, the, the problem, even just the problem solving aspect and thinking on your feet. I mean, you're going to have to do that a hell of a lot because of you don't have that team around you. You're one individual ranger um, managing the park. And as you said, I think, um, I, I suppose it was a bit of advice that I've taken and it's something I need to, to well, inevitably learn how to do is it's the funding side of it because nowadays um, you find yourself in a situation with the trust where a lot of the money that you bring in is obviously external um, and for I suppose rangers to have the skills and um, looking for uh, outside money to bring into the country park or wherever it may be to then build and develop your so for yourself you built up your the local community again um, that then kind of comes into then your volunteer program so you've actually been able to bring in a lot of people to help you and it's actually been well very successful um, how did you go about doing that then to help you with the work because well you're, you're one man yeah i mean i've been very lucky uh, very very lucky indeed that the when i started there the local community couldn't have been uh, couldn't have been kinder couldn't have been more helpful they were all about the park they wanted it to succeed and there was a lot of people coming out there, you know what can we do how can we volunteer and that continues actually and we've got we've now built up relationships with um either through the corporate and social responsibility volunteering, where it was just a cold email that came out of nowhere. Can you give us 20 people, or sorry, can we send you 20 people for a day to right. do some corporate volunteering? Absolutely fine. Um, and now Scottish Water are, that was the first email I got, Scottish Water come out pretty much every year uh, and do a day for us, um, if not a few days, which has been fantastic. And it's, it's been building those relationships and, and finding those people. So. The farm now, we have a huge amount of volunteers that come through the farm um, on a weekly basis. Um, a lot of them are people and that's there. That's the thing they look forward to is coming out and being with the animals and, and helping out. And it's a lot of them, it is that that piece of giving back, of, of you know giving back to something they enjoy. And a lot of people have been there since they were a kid and they've right. come up and they've enjoyed it. And there's a few people that have said, oh, no, I remember coming when I was really, really young and now I'm, you know, I'm up here and I can volunteer and that's absolutely fantastic. And then you get all the school groups. So again, it started as a very small trickle and then now it's got bigger and bigger. So um, it started off where we just did a, a couple of the local schools and now I work with quite a lot of in, uh, the primary schools and also the secondary schools across Falkirk with them coming and doing um, either afternoons or full days where they come out and it's part of it, um, one of the groups, Brace High School, they come out as part of their geography. Um, geography work that they do which is absolutely fantastic yeah. there was other, other groups just come out as um uh, like an entry uh, job entry thing about saying you know this is you know you have to work you yeah. have to work hard <laughs> so it's almost like a readiness a readiness for work if you will yeah. Um, yeah so yeah no it's really good really really good yeah that's it's a, it's a lot of different groups that you're you're involved with working and of course you mentioned the farm there so you're you're managing a farm as well as the park 
as you've you've you know as well, uh, uh, Beecrest Country Park is country park that has a, a historic deer farm, still deer now, uh, and it's been opened up to become more of an animal attraction with uh, Highland cattle and and sheep. And I know you've been liaising and working quite closely with um, them because you're obviously now managing a, a farm of your own. How what what sort of thing does that entail then um, from a crossover with conservation and I suppose agriculture? Um, it's actually really good. <clears throat> so one of the um, one of the things we've done on the farm is we've we've done that thing. We've tried to do that link between you know nature and agriculture. So a lot of our all the way around the outside of our farm now we've got hedging. So we've planted. We had to replace a lot of fencing when I first started, um, and so we've done that. But one of the reasons, or one of the things I set out to do as soon as we'd done that was okay we've spent all this money on fencing, but in 20, 30 years time, this fencing is not going to be here. How are we going to solve that problem? And again, you go out, you find the funding to get um, trees and hedging. And we've basically, we've planted the entire exterior of the farm with hedging. <laughs> um, so I think uh, last calculation, I think it was something like, uh, I think it was just short of 12,000 trees in six years wow. we've planted. Uh, and again, all volunteer, local community, corporate and social responsibility, and they were all funded. So we didn't we didn't buy them. They were all either um, given out given out in packs, or we've gone out and find found specific funding to uh, to do it for the benefit of nature. But also, obviously, in the long term, it will benefit the farm as things you know degrade with regards to fences. Um, we will then hopefully have a laid hedge all the way around the outside of the farm. Yeah, um, of course. But it's I suppose it's some, in some respects, it's not being um, not being afraid to make a, a decision that's not going to necessarily affect you, but 20 years down the line, you'll yeah. have made a decision that will hopefully affect someone else. Um, but day-to-day -day stuff, yeah, I mean, it's great. Uh, at the moment, unfortunately, just due to the pandemic, um, we're closed. Uh, the farm's shut at the moment, but hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get it back open again um, as soon as the government say we can. But the day-to-day -day running of stuff, again, we're so lucky with the volunteer aspect of it that um, the stock keepers that are there do a fantastic job in managing the volunteers and 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 helping them and getting basically getting the most out of the farm. Um, one of the other things we've done since I started is we've actually started breeding our own stock now. So we've got um, two herds of sheep. So we've got a, a herd of Hebridean sheep and a herd of Zwarbles, um, which are a Dutch breed of sheep, and we've started breeding those um, and uh, with quite a lot of success, which has been fantastic. Um, and now we've got a decent sized flock of uh, Hebridean sheep and hopefully that will continue with the, um, the Zwarbles as well, which just allows us to have a, a turnover and things we can, uh, we can take to market. Yeah, that must have been, a, well, an entirely new learning journey for yourself alongside the country park restoration. Um, yeah, just, I suppose with, you've already mentioned uh, the volunteer input, but, um, and you've already gave great advice on the, from a student perspective, but um, I suppose then what's your, what is your day-to-day kind of list or ways of managing the park as well as coordinating everything else? How do you kind of keep it all together? I mean, there's certain things you'll, you'll you very quickly find there's certain things you do biannually, annually, you know, every six months. And it's, it's working through those and just making sure that when people stick their hand up or send you an email and say, look, we'd really love to come in and do something, it's having that thing in the back of your head of instantly going, yeah, not a problem. Um, we've got, you know, a thousand trees to plant. You can come and plant those. 
We were, again, we've got a very good relationship with Brace High School, which is the local secondary. Um, and they come out every year and do a day um, as part of their geography um, work. And they have planted fruit trees. They've done dead hedging. They've done wildflower seed planting. They've done a whole host of things. And it's that, it's having all those, almost that list of jobs, either re reality of it, having it up on a whiteboard or having them in your head. So when mm. someone says, yeah, we'd love to come and do this. You can give them a whole load of things that they can come and do. Um, and yeah, just, I'm, I'm terrible at not saying no. <laughs> so when anyone says it, could you do this? Yeah, I'm sure I can find you something to do. It's not a problem. Um, you know, we've got a hundred, although it's not the biggest country park, it's 170 acres. There's normally something I can find a volunteer group to do. And there's always something changing and evolving. So there's always stuff that needs done. Yeah. So um, it's one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given by was one of my old bosses. And he said, whenever you're given free help, don't turn it down. Find them something to do. Um, and he's right. He's yeah. totally right. And I suppose that that's helped you a lot. And obviously the, the unique role of a ranger that you're in where everything we've talked about, you're, you're having to take on your own back with searching out and having that advice and um, help from other outlets. I think this education and our relationship important as a ranger service and um, it's finding those links to the curriculum and being able to provide um, those outdoor um, facilities and tasks um, because the more I suppose you do it and open yourself up the more they're gonna as you said come back and continue to do it so um, yeah long-lasting relationships with um, I mean everything's is great um, what's been your I suppose your favorite projects then in the park um, there's been a lot I'll be honest, there's been a lot of projects. I mean, some of them are huge. So like the, the Heritage Lottery Fund project was over three years. Yeah. And it was a massive, a massive project. And I suppose if you look at them as huge projects, they are. But actually, when you break them down, they're lots and lots of little projects that you can just fly through. Um, just as long as you've got the kind of, with the, the Heritage Lottery Fund, it was the financial side of things mm. and able to get a lot of big stuff done. Whereas sometimes it's like you, you get micro grants for like 250 quid which will allow you to go and buy wildflower seed to go and do another project with, a, with another school group. Um, but the, I, mean, I must admit my favorite project was, um, in fact, I've got a couple. Um, the Poetry and Sculpture Trail was, was a one I really enjoyed doing, mainly because it was completely fresh. You know, we had a book um, uh, which was uh, called Imagining Things and Other Poems by a guy called Kenneth um, Stephen. Right. Um, and basically we read through that book. We started having a look about how things could link into the park and it kind of grew from there. And then it was working with all of the, the different artists. So we had uh, chainsaw sculptures done. We had um, fairly substantial um, metal sculptures done, worked with a fantastic blacksmith um, called Jim Whitston, the blazing blacksmith. Um, <laughs> who, he, he came up with some fantastic designs, as did Johnny Chainsaw, to be fair, um, who did our chainsaw carvings. Um, I, I know them well. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they were very, very well received and still are. Um, you know, that project was the first one I did. And the first one we got ticked off. And I think that was done kind of a year in. And it still looks, in my opinion, as good as the day it went in. It looks absolutely fantastic. The other one was the, the reed bed project. So we have a, we've got a reed bed filtration system that we installed. Um, so we had a massive problem with field runoff going across our car park. Uh, and basically breaking the surface of the car park up. Um, and we also 
through the Heritage Lottery Fund money had a new community growing area and I was thinking okay how can we how can we solve these problems of we've got a community growing area that doesn't have any water facilities we've got a huge amount of water running off the field and then I think back to being back at college and again it's one of the things that I always say to college students make your learning relevant because um, one of the projects I did at college or looked into just as a case study I then went and implemented while I was at work. So the rebed filtration system is a giant pond, essentially, that has got a, a bund halfway across it and the water flows in, filtered by the reeds, goes into the second reed bed, is continued to be filtered, and then it's, it's a gravity-fed system that just lets the water run down underneath the car park, um, around, and we've got five 1,000-litre tanks dropped in underneath the community growing area. So there's a main driveway down the community growing area to allow people to access to their plots. And right. underneath that, we've got five 1,000 litre tanks and they just come up on a standard hand pump to the surface. And, um, and then there's an overflow at the far end, which takes the water down towards the river. And like, that was very satisfying. We solved three, well, we, we, it's three targets here, basically. We, we created a new habitat um, for we've got great crested newts um, at your raven side, so we've created new habitat possibly for great crested newts, but definitely other invertebrates and things that you know we find in our ponds. We've uh, we've stopped the problem of the water runoff, and it was like an absolute dream come true the following winter. So if you can imagine, if you can imagine most winters our car park was an ice rink yeah. to be able to come in and have no ice on the car park whatsoever, it was absolutely fantastic. And then the thirdly is we've solved. A problem for the community growing area so they've got sustainable water basically yeah. um, and that was a that was a real a real uh, very pleasing when that one was finished i remember uh, yeah I, th I think i remember um seeing that project just as you were starting it uh, i think the last time embarrassingly that i was over your way uh, obviously falkirk is local to myself being in west lothian but um it was a lothian and borders meet up so we've talked about yep. it previously so a bunch of rangers got together and we we came and visited you and um i think you showed us the kind of starts of the basis of what you were planning for that and um yeah it just shows you how one project can solve multiple as you've projects uh problems sorry uh, in that same regards and uh, yeah, the that had just it either just opened or been open for about a year or so um, and yeah it's fantastic um, it's, it's a good way of incorporating that you the book and local then um, such as Johnny Chainsaw who did the the carvings and whatnot um, I think we also did the we did a badger watch which of course is something else that you is part of your public uh, public events and you get badgers coming right up to the visitor center which is an experience I still haven't had since um, it's one thing sitting in a hide, but it's another thing sitting behind a glass door and having a badger right in front of you, um, which of course was something done by the previous ranger, wasn't it? Yeah, so um, the previous ranger, Ian, he, he used to actually have the doors open um, <laughs> and just and people, people just to sit and they, but they'd have to be so quiet because, um, because the amount of noise that obviously the badgers aren't tolerant of noise. Bizarrely enough, they're really tolerant of camera flashes. Um, and they, and they don't really mind the light that's on the front of the visitor centre. But yeah, there's we do a huge amount of um, of events and public facing stuff. Just and to be honest, I really enjoy them because especially when you get a really busy one. I think the busiest badger watch we ever had was we just we it had been advertised um, locally, um, but I think for some reason people didn't realise you have to book 
So people just kept turning up. So in the end, I think we had 29 people turned up. But it was great because actually all the people had such a great experience. It was such a, that thing of, wow, that's, that's how close the badges are. Yeah. Um, and we do the same thing with the bats. We do bat walks and we do a whole lot of craft stuff now as well. So, and it's the, the feedback you get from that is people, are, people do genuinely really enjoy that stuff because it's, it's an experience they wouldn't necessarily get. Yeah. No, I suppose it's one of the benefits of having that relationship that you've built up with the community, which has inevitably obviously helped the park go, uh, continue to run and, um, and the activities that you then do are catered towards that. So, I mean, um, you were up very early this morning. You still keep busy outside of work, which is crazy. I didn't realise you were still doing it. Um, you have been doing bat surveys with a local ecology um, group, haven't you? Yeah, so I do... Um, uh, I do during the summer or the last two summers I've, um, I've done, I've been doing some bat service with a local ecology company. Um, so yeah, either up very early or, or, or to bed very late, but um, it's only one a week. So, um, and it just allows me, I suppose it's experience, but it's also, um, you know, we have a huge amount of bats in the park and it was a case of, I've learned a huge amount um, through doing it, but now I've got that experience. It's kind of continuing to, to make sure you kind of cement it. And I think, in the past, I've maybe been slightly guilty of, of kind of not necessarily resting on my laurels, but you think, right, great, I've got to a level now. And actually, you, you forget that you need to keep going. You know, you always need to keep learning. Um, mm. And now, like, I've now got my, um, I've got my disturbance license for Great Crested Newts, right. which now means I can do work on the ponds, um, obviously, with um, letting SNH know, but it's that thing of I'm now licensed to handle and, uh, and sort out um, great Christian newts if for whatever reason we have contractors in and, and there's an issue then we can deal with that immediately so it's again it's that thing of to the students is you never stop you know you just keep on pushing and there's loads that, you know no one will ever know it all um, yeah. you might have you might be an expert in a certain field but you can yeah you'll never ever learn everything um, it, the field's just too big but it's a case of yeah um, keeping going and a kind of professional development as well yeah, no, it's it's a brilliant thing. And I mean, just even yourself, you're a brilliant example of someone in a unique position of not having a ranger service around you, but uh, being an individual ranger that's having developed a country park and brought it out of what was in a deteriorated state and then getting some of the things we've talked about that you've achieved is just it's incredible so yeah no thank you for um all the advice that you've you've given and as I suppose is there any questions you'd like to ask me or is there any more advice or things you'd like to talk about i just uh, from uh, from a kind of someone who's been through it is that i think that the when you start off uh, at college and you might know this as well you know having gone through it when you start off at college it's all it's all very rosy and then what I realized very early on is actually I needed to get out, out with college and do just do, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> the, the, the best, best way of gaining experience is by doing. Um, and yeah, that's the best, best advice I could give anyone who wants to do it, get out, volunteer, volunteer for a few different people, you know, don't stick with the same range of service, go and volunteer for different range of service. TCV, a fantastic um, volunteering opportunities. That's what I did a lot of volunteering with them. And it was, and actually um, bump into the same people that I volunteered with now who still work for TCV, but now <laughs> I've got a job and they're, they're coming out and doing stuff um, on our sites, which is just absolutely fantastic. So, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's something um, we'll continue to hear within the profession and and future guests as well as the volunteering aspect. And we touched upon it with um, Will in an earlier episode of the importance of volunteers for rangering and the profession. And I mean, it's it, volunteers are how you are able to to operate and keep many things going in the park, which has been um, a great perspective to to have shown uh today so yeah much appreciated uh, simon i know you've uh, you've had a very early morning with your bat stuff but um i look forward to catching up and visiting um after everything's over well fingers crossed yeah well, fingers crossed we'll uh, we'll be open well we, we've not been shut to be fair but fingers crossed we'll be able to get you out fairly soon and uh, around the park again luke <laughs> right thank you very much simon Catch you. Much. cheers bye-bye